0: Good morning, everybody. Everybody, ready to start a new year? Ready to put the, the nail in 2023? Ready to close this chapter? You know, as we think about uh, the new year coming up, I want to talk about intentional faith here this morning. You know, 2023 wasn't that bad of a year, but I guess it's really a matter, of, it's, I guess I can be subjective, no? depending on your life and your situation and your family and things that you've had to go through. But we know that we're getting ready to start a new year. And today I wanna talk about something different. Today I wanna talk about intentional faith. You guys have heard me use the word purposeful before, right? Purposeful, synonymous with intentional. But today as we close the book on 2023 in the coming hours and we get ready to start a new chapter in 2024, I want us to ask ourselves a few questions. But before we do that, I would like to really kind of propose a theme for this year. Intentional faith in 2024. Well, what do I mean by intentional faith? What does that look like? Well, if you look up the word intentional, it's synonymous with what? Deliberate. It's synonymous with plan. And so as we think about having a a, a deliberate, planned faith, I want to ask you a question. In 2023, did you hit your faith goals? And in 2023, if you're sitting here and then you hear me ask that question... What's Brother Dave talking about? What faith goals is he talking about exactly? That may be the problem. That may be the problem because if you haven't set goals, how can you hit a goal that you have not set for yourself? You know, oftentimes as we think about goals in this life, how often is one of the first things we do, it's a new year. What are we going to do? We're going to set some goals, right? I'm going to learn a new language and I'm going to uh, learn an instrument or I'm going to Fill in the blank, right? Whatever it is that you plan to do. And oftentimes, we don't actually hit those goals. We actually fail to attain those goals. Why do you think we fail to attain many of the goals that we set? I wonder how many times we properly prioritize those goals. Did you hear that? Properly prioritize those goals. Well, intentional faith in 2024. What's intentional mean? Well, it's synonymous with deliberate. Planned. What did you do to plan to in order to make, to make sure that you actually were deliberate in achieving the goals that you had set forth? So on this last day of 2023, I want each of us to consider if we haven't reached our goals that we had in 2023 to ask yourselves why. I'd like for you to do a little introspection. I'd like you to really think about why maybe you didn't achieve the goals that you had set out for yourself in 2023. And if you didn't set out, if you didn't set any goals, well that's a whole other conversation. How are you? How do you expect yourself to grow and mature in your faith if you have no faith goals? Right. How do you grow and mature as an individual if you have no personal goals? And so that's something I wanna challenge us on here today. I want us to consider what it means to have goals. And so faith is something that is living, is it not? Faith is a living faith. And like all living things, if it's not taken care of, if it's neglected, it becomes stagnant, and eventually it dies. The first passage of scripture that we look on the screen here uh, in front of us. I have been crucified with Christ, it tells us in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but what? Christ lives in me. You have a, Your faith is supposed to be living and active. And so Christ lives in me. And the life in which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself up for me. Brothers and sisters, when you look at that passage of Scripture, if we want to keep Christ alive in our hearts, then we must be intentional. We must be deliberate about growing our faith. And that would require us to have a plan. Remember, intentional, deliberate, planned. If you want to have, keep Christ alive in your heart, if you want to have a, a faith that is vibrant and that is uh, active, you have to have a plan. You've got to execute the plan, and you've got to regularly evaluate the plan to see exactly where you're at and if you're coming close to achieving your goals or are there adjustments that need to be made for me to attain set goals. You see, brethren, as a congregation, we need to ask ourselves, what is our three-year plan? What's our five-year plan? What's our ten-year plan? This is something that we must consider. Because if there is no three-year plan, five-year plan, or ten-year plan, those who, uh, those who uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. You guys have heard that, haven't you? I'm not the only one that's heard that saying. And so we need to make sure there's a plan. Are we deliberate in making sure that as a congregation of the Lord's church, that we are doing everything we can to grow and to have a vibrant, alive, and thriving congregation in the Lord? In order to do that, you have to have a plan, you have to execute it, and you have to regularly evaluate it. Brethren, growth in all aspects of life must be intentional. Who here thinks they're going to accidentally stumble into heaven? I mean, think about it. If if anybody here thinks they're accidentally going to just end up in heaven, I'm here to tell you it's not going to happen. You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate in growing your faith. But it starts with us doing it personally before we could do it as a congregation. In order for any congregation to grow, we have to first grow as individuals. And then, as we're growing and maturing in the Lord as individuals, then that growth and that maturity should spill over into our other relationships. This morning in our uh, Bible class uh, on the book of Daniel, I asked the question who are we mentoring? Who are we mentoring? As we were looking at the life of Daniel, I asked the question, are you mentoring somebody? I'm not talking about your grandkids. I mean we should be mentoring our grandkids. But you know, the older women are to do what? To raise up the younger uh, the younger ladies. And the and the older men are to ring up the raise up the younger boys, right? And we're to make sure that we're doing what? We're sharing life with them, we're influencing them, we're mentoring them, we're sharing our faith with them, and we're sharing our knowledge and our wisdom with them. And so, brethren, in order to do that, you have to be intentional about forming relationships with the younger generations. And too many congregations, this is something that is lacking in those congregations. So growth in all aspects have to be, uh, must be intentional because you're not going to accidentally find your way in heaven. The spiritual and numerical growth of this congregation must first take place in the hearts and the minds of us as individuals. As Christians, we need to be purposeful. We need to be intentional with our lives, keeping in mind what our eternal destination is. So brothers and sisters, individual congregational growth begins and ends where? It begins in the word. It begins in the word because Jesus through the Father, through the Holy Spirit has given us the blueprint of how we are to attain heaven, that we can know that we're going to heaven and we don't have to hope that we get to heaven. Yeah. You know, 1 John chapter 5 and it's either 13 or 17, it tells us that you can I am writing these things to you so you can know that you're going to go to heaven. Yearly, brethren, we should make sure that we're intentional in having a deeper understanding of God's word. And then as we apply that deeper understanding to our very lives, then we're going to start to see growth. We're going to start to see maturity. And understanding God's word and how it applies to our lives is going to help us to do what? Mentor that younger generation that we talked about a moment ago. So you see, brethren, all of this has to be intentional and has to be planned. While we are uh, growing in the word, you know what we must also be doing? Working in the Lord's kingdom. If we're growing in the word, we must be at work in the Lord. You and I have talents. We have gifts that God has given us. And we're supposed to take those talents and take those gifts and use it for the betterment of not only our families, but the kingdom of God. Because God has given us the gifts that we have and he wants you to use those gifts to the furtherment of his kingdom. That in which you are a part of. But you can't do that if you're not growing and maturing in life. And you grow and mature in life both personally and both physically as well as spiritually by having a plan. By setting goals. By making sure that you're making sure that, that they're a priority in your life and that they're properly prioritized. Good. And so we take our talents, we take our gifts, and we start to volunteer in the kingdom work. You see, brethren, as we volunteer in doing ministerial work in the kingdom, we start to learn what it means to become selfless. And as we begin to learn what it means to become selfless, we begin to realize the importance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We begin to realize the the sacrificial attitude and why we are to be called to be like Christ. You guys remember James 1 and 17 where it says, Faith, if it has no works, is what? Faith without works is dead, being by itself. So in order for faith to be alive, in order to faith to be, uh, in order for faith to be alive, it must be an active faith. And in order for to feel alive and to have purpose, we must be working towards something. If you wake up in the morning, I believe so many people are depressed and deal with depression because there's no purpose in their life. They wake up every morning and they have no reason for getting up. getting out of bed so there needs to be purpose well those that purpose then goes back to what do you what goals have you set to better yourself as a person so you can have personal development as well as spiritual development it's okay to have a healthy balance the key is to make sure you have a balance and it's not just all personal development but no spiritual development and so there has to be a balance there between the two In order to feel alive, there has to be purpose, and we must be working towards something in our spiritual life as well as our physical life. But brethren, I want to say one thing, that we cannot be all things to all people. One of the conversations I have with so many Christian parents, as a minister and as elders of this congregation, they can vouch for what I'm talking about, as we have... Conversations with parents who are maybe struggling. Not so much uh, struggling in life, but just struggling with raising their kids. It's because they're just wore out. Because they're trying to be all things to all people. And sometimes it's okay to say no. Sometimes it's okay to make sure that you're, you're working towards the things that you have prioritized as important in your life and to make sure that your faith never falls by the wayside so as a congregation and as individuals we must set goals make them a priority let others know what you're working towards ask others to help encourage you ask others to help hold you accountable so that way they know what you're working towards they can encourage you and they can help you along the way by holding you accountable you see, brethren, if there, is a thing, if there are things in life that are getting in the way of you attaining the things that you prioritized, you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to do about it? You know why most people fail at attaining their goals? Because they're not willing to make the changes necessary to attain said goal. And so that's something that we have to consider. What are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to change if activities are hindering us from having a deeper act of faith, Well, then ask yourself, what can we do to free up more time? Brethren, ask yourself, do your children really need to be involved in every sport? Do they need to be involved in every activity that the school has to offer one after another after another to the point that it takes over every available moment that you have? You know, as a minister, I just had had spoken about how when you talk to various parents and you talk to various families, you, you start to understand and they start to express how exhausted many of them are. Why Because many of, them, many of us have dual income households. That means both parents are working and, and many of their children are involved in so many different activities, one after the other after the other that it really leads no various uh, it really leads to no free time. And and then you add to that multiple child homes, and then it really starts to zap you because you have to divide and conquer, and you're running all over the place, and you're taking care of these uh, activities, and I'll go take care of these activities, and then somewhere along the line, we're supposed to try to fit in faith development, we're supposed to try to fit in personal development, but there's no time left in the day. Have you ever have you ever said this as a parent? When do I get time for me? Has anybody ever said those words? When do I get time for me? Well, you say those words because you're not prioritizing personal spiritual developments. Because you think that in order to have, too many parents have bought into this idea that in order to have well-rounded kids, we have to have them involved in every activity so that way they can learn what it means to be a part of a team or part of a group and they have to learn work ethic and they have to learn all these different things. And so to have well-rounded kids, we gotta get involved in a little bit of everything even if we have to sacrifice other things. But yet, those, the, one of the things that usually gets sacrificed is their faith. And the spirituality of the family. That's usually the first thing that gets kicked to the side. So yeah, great, good job. You, you, you've raised well-rounded uh, kids who grow up to have no faith. And yet, we try to prioritize everything in the world that has no eternal consequences. And yet, most of our young kids and young adults are falling away from the Lord. Uh, this is not just your preacher and hearsay. This is look at the statistics. Go visit some congregations. Go look for the younger families. Where's all, where are all the the young families and younger and the young adults from the last two or three generations? Where are those young families in the congregations? You see, brethren, we have to make sure that we're prioritizing our faith and not just prioritizing activities. Yeah. Brethren, if you have found yourself asking that question, that's, that, uh, the question, when do I get time for myself, then something's got to give. Something's got to change. And you have to ask yourself, is that something going to be sacrificing your faith first? Or are you willing to remove some of the worldly activities? There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with activities. But do they need to be involved in every single one of them? and every single season of the year? Then, you, as I said, you add to that multi-child homes, dual-income household, when do you have time for personal or spiritual development? Mm-hmm. Brethren, there's only so many hours in a day. And so you as parents have to make sure that we're setting the actual uh, standard for what is important to, the, to us as a family. Most parents these days, as I said, have bought into that idea about the well-rounded kids. But how well-rounded are they if they grow up with no faith? So brethren, there needs to be a healthy balance, both spiritually spiritually. But the spirituality of the family must never take a back seat to worldly activities. Satan has done a wonderful job of of keeping us busy. Satan has done a wonderful job of making sure that we feel like our kids have to be involved in every aspect of everything that life has to offer. And then to to the detriment of their spirituality, to the detriment of the faith... And are you willing to make the necessary life adjustments as we consider intentional faith in 2024? Are we willing to achieve the spiritual goals that we have set out for ourselves? You see, brethren, a vast majority of people, myself included, we fail to, 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 to attain the goals that we have set because they're not properly prioritized. So let's make 2024 the year that we stop making excuses. That we stop making excuses for why we have failed to accomplish something because we didn't prioritize it. Brethren, across this once great uh, God-fearing country of ours, church growth is a hot topic right now. Church growth is a hot topic for many congregations of the Lord's Church, as well as all denominations of Christianity, because many congregations every single year are closing their doors. We're, we're, we're actually almost 300,000 people uh, less today in just the Lord's Church than we were 30 years ago. And those numbers are two years old, so they're probably worse than that. 300,000 people less today than we were 30 years ago. And it's not just the Lord's Church. It's all Christian denominations. Brethren, church growth starts from us with, as individuals, and it spills over into all of our various relationships. The scriptures teach that, that church growth has a twofold concept, both spiritually as well as numerically. And in fact, these two aspects, they complement one another. Because when you grow spiritually, there will be numerical growth. And therefore, when we stop growing spiritually, you stop growing numerically. Because your faith is then no longer spilling over into your other relationships. Your faith has now become stagnant because, well, outside of Wednesday and Sunday, you really don't have a faith. And you're not practicing your faith. You're not living out your faith. There's no faith goals. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm more concerned with everything going on than I am with anything to do that has to do with kingdom work. And if that is the case, brethren, is it any surprise that we see that for 30 straight years, the churches around us are shrinking? The churches around us are, are becoming smaller, right? They're becoming less dynamic, why is that? Because we haven't prioritized our faith. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, these are something these are things that we need to consider in 2024 and that's why I propose that in 2024 we have intentional faith be the motto, be the theme for this congregation. When I tell you that everything begins and ends in the word, spiritual growth begins in the word. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 says. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, like, new ba- like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. Why? Because by it, what does it say? You will grow. You will grow in respect to salvation. For a congregation and an individual that does not feed from the word regularly cannot grow spiritually. And then if you're not growing spiritually, your faith becomes stagnant and it leads to dying congregations. Brothers and sisters, you think about Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You have need yet again for someone to teach you the more elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. What is the point that the, the author of Hebrews is trying to convey to the Hebrew, to the Christian converts of, 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 the, of, of, Jude, of Judaism? What is the message he's trying to convey He says, by now you should be teaching others. Instead, you still have have the need for somebody to teach you the most elementary principles. If you have been a part of Christianity for any length of time, and you still don't understand how to convey your faith to somebody else, then that's a problem. And then how can you say you're growing spiritually when you don't even know the basic principles of what you believe? So, brothers and sisters, many Christians have become dull of hearing that it talks about in the previous verse in Hebrews chapter five and verse eleven, and it says it leads to apathy. Apathy is spiritual laziness, it's spiritual indifference. And so as disciples of Christ, we must work alongside. We we must work alongside and complement one another as ligaments that are growing up in the body of Christ. You think about Ephesians. You think about Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16. It talks about us as a body and the ligaments that help hold the body together and help it to function. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and it does what? It builds itself up in love as each part does its work it builds itself up in love and together by working together encouraging one another loving one another sacrificing for one another we not only help one another grow spiritually but we'll also help this congregation grow numerically brethren this is not a secret formula but the formula it's going to require each and every one of us to do our parts because if we're not growing uh, if we're not growing spiritually and we're not developing ourselves spiritually, how do we expect the congregation to thrive? How do we expect the kingdom of God to thrive in our little neck of the woods? So brethren, people want to be a part of something special. They want to be a part of something special, they want to feel like they belong. And that's why so much, so much uh, emphasis is given on the first century church. When even with persecution, they would go from village to village, town to town, as they had to flee their homes, and they continued to live out their faith. They continued to preach the word of God and speak to others about the gospel, and they lived differently than others lived. And they had love for one another. They had care and compassion for one another. They displayed kindness towards one another and forgiveness. And people would look at them and they say, there's something different about Matt and Lisa. There's something different about Jenny and Thomas. There's something different about Diane. What is it? Why do I feel like I'm drawn to them? What makes them? What makes it? What is it about them that that causes me to be curious about their faith? Because I notice, I recognize that maybe there's something different about these couples Different about these individuals. Different than what we see in the world. And then as you start to. As your faith spills over into those relationships. Eventually you're going to get to talk to them about who? Jesus. Jesus. Talk to them about your faith. Talk to them about your Christ. Talk to them about salvation. Say you can have what I have. You can have the peace that I have. But it all begins and ends in the word. Yeah. And it begins and ends with making Jesus the Lord of your life. So brethren. If you want to help people to become a part of something special, you've got to show them that there's something special to become a part of. And, that, and that, that stems from living out your faith. Jesus was intentional about discipleship. For three years, he invested himself in the lives of 12 individuals, did he not? Jesus gave them a call to follow him. Jesus gave them a command to love as he had loved. And Jesus had given them a commission to go and to make disciples into the world. Brethren, from the Sermon on the Mount to Emus Road, they received instruction. They received object lessons, which just means parables. They, and, they, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they received discipline. Discipline to prepare them for the disciple-making work that God had given them to do. Brethren, 11 of the 12 completed that program. And out of those eleven after Pentecost, the, the eleven along with the rest of the disciples, they went out into the world and they did what? They did, went out into the world and they began to preach the gospel to all creation, to all who would hear it, to all who would listen. And they lived revolutionary lives and they did such in such a manner that people were curious skeptics of christianity started to become curiosity seekers they started to wanted to know more about this jesus because they knew that there was something different about his people because of the love the and the grace and the mercy and the kindness that they showed toward one another brethren jesus mentored these 12 men and i have a question for you this morning who are you mentoring Jesus spent three years mentoring 12 individuals of which 11 went on to do the work that he called them to do. Who are you mentoring? You see, brethren, if you're not mentoring somebody right now, that's okay. Because guess what? We're about to turn the page to a new year. And you've got an opportunity to be an influence in the lives of those around you. You have an opportunity to mentor those around you about the love of Jesus Christ. Brethren, when you are influencing others you have the ability to change their lives brothers and sisters as i close this down understand that a growing church is a gathering church there's a reason why the author of hebrews said in hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 do not forsake your own assembling together as is the habit of some christians but encourage one another as you see the day drawing near Uh, a a growing church is a gathering church a growing church is a gifted church a church that uses the gifts and the talents God has blessed them with to the benefit and the furtherance of the kingdom and the congregation. Mm-hmm. A growing church is a giving church that we learn about in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, where we give from a cheerful heart. Brethren, a growing church is a church that is caring and that is happy. In Acts chapter 2 in verse 46 and 47, the scriptures tell us that the early saints, they were continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They were breaking bread from house to house. And they, were, they, they, they ate their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with one another. Brothers and sisters, a growing church is a godly church. In yeah. Titus chapter 2, the scriptures tell us that we are to live, what, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And by doing so, you're going to cause people to become curious about what it is that makes you different. And then you can teach them about your Jesus. You can teach them about the love of God, and you could invite them to be a part of something special. Rather, in a growing church, is a going church. You remember that commission that, that God that Jesus gave to his disciples? That that commission also goes to us. That we are to go out into the world and we are to make disciples. But in order to make disciples, you gotta share your faith. In order to share your faith, you gotta be, well, you gotta be in the word, and you gotta be growing spiritually and you got to be uh, becoming more confident in the word so that way you can take the word out and you're not going to be like hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 where he was well chastising them because they had need for somebody after all this time to teach them the most basic principles of their faith brethren to be a growing church we need to be a gospel-centered church In 2024, we must be a gospel centered church. And Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world in Mark 16 and preach the gospel to every every creature. So, brothers and sisters, in 2024, I have a question for you. Are you going to be deliberate about your faith? Deliberate about the growth of your faith? Are you going to put a plan in place? Are you going to execute that plan? Are you going to evaluate that plan regularly? And if there's something that's hindering your uh, ability to achieve your goals, whether it's personally or spiritually, are you willing to make the necessary changes? You see, brethren, if you want to become the person that God would have you to be, it's going to take some work. We don't earn our salvation. We know that it's it's given to us as a gift by grace from God, but we have work to do. For God has given us the work to do in the kingdom. And so, brothers and sisters, in order to do that work, there needs to be a plan in place. So let's look for ways to mentor our youth. Let's look for ways to encourage the next generation of leadership for the Lincoln Park Church of Christ. Let's start to encourage our young men about what they need to do to carry this congregation into the future. Let's remember that the real and lasting growth begins and ends in the very word of God. And so brothers and sisters, if you want to help somebody, the greatest way that you can help them is by making sure that they are part of the kingdom of God. As I close this down, and as I hopefully try to encourage you to go home and to consider these words today, I want you to plan two things, two goals. I want you to have in 2024, you can have as many as you want as long as you prioritize them, but I want you to have a spiritual goal. How many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, had a spiritual goal in 2023? All right, there's a few hands going up. But guess what? There's a lot more hands that didn't go up. And so I want you to think about that today. Think about it in the next coming days. Where, where do you want to see yourself in 2024? 2024? Where, how much stronger and mature are you in your faith today at the end of 2023 than you were at 2022? And if you're not any stronger today than you were at the end of 2022, why? What can you do to make sure that changes? Well, it's going to take putting a plan in place. So I encourage you to consider that and ask yourself, what do you, where do you want to see yourself at this time next year? Brethren, put to, and also have a personal goal. And make sure that even in the personal goal, so your life is well balanced, make sure that you do so, but you don't sacrifice your faith along the way. For we need to be growing both spiritually as well as personally. And if we do that, brethren, the people are going to see something special about you. Brethren, if you're here today and you're hearing this message, and you've been considering putting on Christ and baptism, you could do that. You can have your sins washed away. You can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can have God add you to the kingdom today, but it's going to take you coming forward, getting up out of the pew and confessing Jesus and being baptized for the remission of your sins. Come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.